an abscess where it's burst, instead of bursting on the outside, it burst internally, which gave me uh, septicemia that just lodged a uh, blood clot near my heart, which then went to a valve, blew that up, and then to the uh, brain. The uh, doctor said to me that he couldn't understand why I was still alive. He said it must have been my age. Anything above 30, I would not have made it. I'd be dead. I can now even still see his face. He was in total amazement. I felt very depressed. The uh, doctor said to me, my cups were thinner than cling film and they were not sure if I was born like it or if the disease was caused by the stroke. Two months went by before I was discharged from the uh, hospital and I thought what would I do now? There's obviously no engineering, no job for a one-handed person like me. The ball has started rolling for me doing art. My father and I had a uh, meeting with the art head tutor so uh, he would know all about my illnesses and my stroke and my biggest worry was my voice because I uh, not been able to talk yet I was not going to be beaten by this. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Blood infections like septicemia can result in an increased risk of stroke. Although the relationship between the two is unclear, a 2017 report from researchers in California found that the risk of stroke was at its highest within the first 15 days of contracting septicemia. Although the risk decreased over time, it remained higher even after a year. In this episode, we'll hear from Steve Eastwood from Stafford, who suffered a stroke in 1987 at the age of 19. I was a uh, hydraulics engineer, and, and I used to have uh, a normal teenager full of life, full of beans. I wanted to uh, try anything. Uh, I was uh, 19 years of age, living with a girl, my ex. It all started, I was coughing up blood at home. I was rushed to the uh, hospital and about three days later, well, still in hospital, the uh, doctors thought I was suffering from uh, meningitis, but I wasn't. I was hit by a stroke. Who would have thought that all this was caused by a toothache? I had an abscess which burst and instead of bursting on the outside, it burst internally, which gave me uh, septicemia, blood poisoning. 
and that just lodged a uh, blood clot near my heart, which then went to a valve, blew that up, and then to the uh, brain. I suffered a right-handed stroke. I couldn't walk, talk, or even use my hand. It was my dominant side. I was uh, laid in the hospital bed, not knowing that my speech had gone. All I could do was groan, yet I believed I was talking normally. I noticed that I had scars on my chest and on my shoulder, on my neck and my left eye. I felt really down and upset. I didn't even know what a stroke was. A uh, doctor came up to me and he said, during the uh, operation on my heart, that was a small group of blood clots had blocked a valve in my heart. Each valve has three cups to let the blood flow through one way, but mine, two vessels had fused together. So I only had one vessel working. And the uh, doctor said to me that he couldn't understand why I was still alive. He said it must have been my age. Anything above 30, I would not have made it. I'd be dead. I can now even still see his face. He was in total amazement. Steve's condition had a lasting impact on his mental health. I felt very depressed. The uh, doctor said to me, my cups were thinner than cling film and they were not sure if I was born like it or if the disease was caused by the stroke. Two months went by before I was discharged from the uh, hospital and I thought what would I do now there's obviously no engineering no job for a one-handed person like me and I thought what can I do I felt like killing myself so I managed to walk down to boots I got a load of uh, sleeping tablets brought them back to my house, got a glass of water, I then sat down and thought, go on, take it, take one, take one packet. And was just then, I thought, no, I'm not going to take a load of sleeping tablets, I'm not going to commit suicide. I chucked them across the room. I thought, someone up there had given me and another chance so take it and do the best I can with what I have got I walked away those tears and said to myself I know that no one can make me better it will only come from me sheer determination will do it no one else can do it for you no helper man or woman they can only point you in the right direction but 
it will take me that will make myself better. But had only one thing left inside my body, my mind. And that said, you can still do anything you want. Art, craft, music, the list is endless. Again, from you, sheer determination. It will take time, but time is all I have. And as I, I couldn't go back to work as an engineer, I then thought about my school days, how I used to wear draw or doodle using my dominant right hand side. Surely you couldn't swap hands, could you? From a right-handed person to a left-handed person? You've got one brain. It controls two hands, two legs. Why not swap your brain over to uh, work opposite sides? You must be able to. I was seen by the daycare centre where they did woodwork, metalwork, sewing and pottery. I used to do some pottery at school, but that was with my right hand side. I wondered whether I could do that with my left hand side. My uh, first drawing I did with my uh, swapped overhands was pretty awful. <laughs> like a, a three year old, but I never gave up. I kept on drawing, drawing and drawing. And soon my drawings became quite good. I thought, you could do anything. Just keep on practicing, practicing, practicing. You'll get there. Don't let anything beat me. It was uh, in a uh, daycare centre which pushed me into uh, drawing and uh, pottery. I then went to uh, college and uh, then the ball had started rolling for me doing art. My father and I had a uh, meeting with a uh, art head tutor so uh, he would know all about my illnesses and my stroke and my biggest worry was my voice because uh, not being able to talk yet I was not going to be beaten by this. Coming up, Steve talking about how his stroke has allowed him to develop new passions in life. After two or three years, I uh, got interested in uh, clay work and pottery work and sculpture. I could do anything from ornaments to full size sculptures and I also have my own website which showcases my uh, figurative sculpture. And Steve's wife Sarah on how his stroke continues to impact his life today. It is still there. I mean, Steve doesn't let it get him down, but obviously he is limited on sort of physical things he can do. He can't, you know, walk a long way and he, he still can't use his right arm at all. 
you know, so he's, he's adapted to sort of doing things with his left hand, but, you know, it doesn't, doesn't let him, you know, get him down. And obviously he's monitored every year by the doctors in the hospital and they do like a scan of his heart and things like that. Let's hear how Steve worked on regaining his speech. My uh, voice was so embarrassing to me. Yeah, all I could do was, uh, yeah, I thought that I was speaking normally, but I wasn't. I was uh, going to have a uh, voice that no one could understand. When I was alone, I cried. I cried a lot. I thought, right, you are going to be able to speak and by learning all them words again. But it will be worth it to think a boisterous man like me could turn to crying and for nothing. I felt so ashamed. My uh, speech therapy that was offered only amounted to half an hour per week. So I uh, asked the uh, speech therapist to write out some uh, syllables for me to uh, take home and my mum used to uh, get me to read a paragraph out of a uh, book or magazine or paper just something so I had read it and it was very hard work it took me uh, ages for me to uh, process information when people were talking to me. I had to uh, consciously think about each word and that was said and uh, try to make sense of it. Having a uh, conversation with someone was extremely difficult for me and it was a very hard work. It was uh, not long after that I thought I was singing. I used to uh, sing along in a uh, karaoke to uh, Frank Sinatra, Tom Jones, and the Monkeys, anything. Yeah, all it was was just sing. It's uh, taken me about 20 years to get my voice as good as it sounds, to uh, stand up and tell you my story. After two or three years, I uh, got interested in uh, clay work and pottery work and sculpture. I could do anything from ornaments to full-size sculptures and I also have my own website which showcases my uh, figurative sculpture. So now I do these talks about my stroke and how I came through it. I too am a tutor now and I uh, teach pottery for the uh, disabled. So uh, please, please don't let anything beat you. Should determination. I can do that, walk, talk or just a little bit of exercise every day. You, yourself, will beat this stroke.
We also spoke with Steve's wife, Sarah. I met Steve, I was 18, and just about to go off to university. And I actually met Steve because we were both students at Stafford College, although we didn't know. I actually met him in a pub. Mm. I was just having a drink with my friends and one of my friends knew some of the people on Steve's art course that he was doing. And we just sat and had a drink and we just sort of hit it off straight away. It's funny, isn't it, when you just meet someone in your life and then, you know, I was just going to sort of casually date him until I went to uni but then we ended up <laughs> seeing each other every weekend and now we're married <laughs> all these years later <laughs> when I was chatting to him his words were a little bit slurry but I just assumed that was because he'd had a pint <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I didn't know it about his stroke and stuff because again I always assumed that a stroke happened to old people I was very ignorant you, you just don't think that a young healthy person something like that could happen you know and, and now I've heard of lots of people having strokes I actually found out about Steve's stroke through my friend because she knew someone on Steve's course and he'd sort of asked her if I'd like to sort of meet and you know go for a drink sort of separately kind of thing you know like a date and she was like oh he's had a stroke I said oh I didn't realize that and, but yeah I went and met him and we went on a you know we, we, we actually went to the pictures and then we went for a little drink afterwards and he was saying about his stroke and I was really shocked it is still there I mean Steve doesn't let it get him down but obviously he is limited on sort of physical things he can do he can't you know walk a long way and he, he still can't use his right arm at all you know so he's, he's adapted to sort of doing things with his left hand but you know it doesn't doesn't let him you know get him down and obviously he's monitored every year by the doctors in the hospital and they do like a scan of his heart and things like that and then a few years ago they'd noticed that one of his other valves was becoming very thin and he had another heart valve replaced. So again, we don't know whether that was a, a nature thing or it was just because he was getting older, but because he was being monitored, they spotted him. So he has had, you know, quite a few health problems and he's constantly on warfarin to keep his blood thin, you know, so it can go through his um, heart valves and everything. But he's always very positive. He's one of the most positive people I've ever met and I'm, I'm sure that's got him to where he is now I mean obviously like I say I didn't meet him until he was 25 so I didn't know him when he'd initially had the stroke so I think I think that's that attitude that's helped him really Sarah thinks you should take each day as it comes I think you cannot think too far ahead I think you need to take each day you know day by day and just be there for them and also find someone that you can talk to yourself because constantly being the support person you know sometimes you need a bit of a, a bit of time to go and chat with a friend or see if there's like the local stroke association or sort of things going on you know just go out for a coffee and, and just have things like that and just look out for each other in the three decades since Steve's stroke, he's worked every day on his recovery. He now runs his own pottery workshops for people with disabilities, gives talks about his experience as a stroke survivor, and has his own sculpting business. You can take a look at his work on his website, eastwoodsculpture.co.uk. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I definitely lost a bunch of friends, friends that I think it was just intimidating and they don't know what to say and it makes them uncomfortable. And, but there were a handful of people that just lifted me up and yeah, they were absolutely my support. When I realized things at home weren't really working out, I had a couple girlfriends that stepped in and just made sure I got everything I needed to get into a better position. 
Please do rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are, or you know somebody who is a stroke survivor, and there's a story you can share, please do. Contact via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Listening.